you know, understanding, understanding what you're getting into, obviously. So if a coach is presenting its culture of, uh, you know, accountability and work ethic, like we try to do here, you know, we're in the gym four days a week, you know, you know, here at Limestone. So, you know, we tell every recruit that obviously we're trying to recruit kids that have a passion for taking care of their bodies and stuff like that. So, um, you know, when we preach that and the kids don't take that very seriously over the summer and say, okay, you know, I know what I'm about to get into. Uh, I don't think they actually understand what they are about to get into. You're listening to the Tap into College Golf podcast, where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf. College recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting, plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf. If you are ready to tap into the best tips, stories, and insight, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Brandy Jackson. Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I am, as always, excited to have any college coach that will jump on with me, but this one um, happens to be right down the street and not too far from where I'm at here in Greenville, South Carolina, and we grew up playing, uh, we're a few years apart, but grew up playing junior golf here in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, He took his college career over to Clemson University and has been the limestone men's and women's golf coach for um, seven years now, I believe it is. I'm going to let him fill in some of the gaps, but excited to have Zach Seifert on here to talk about his coaching journey into getting into coaching, coming out of playing at Clemson and, and a little bit of a um, playing career post-college and then just his success there as both the men's and the women's programs. Um, he's done an awesome job there and I've been just excited to stay in touch with him. And when we run into each other and, and catching up and, and just chatting about junior golf and college golf and all that. So excited to have you um, jump on with me here, Zach. Uh, thanks, Brandy. I appreciate it. So uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be, uh, be a fun time. Yes, I am <clears throat> excited. So I know you, you're coming off of a pretty good year with especially the women's program. Um, I said, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know they finished, I think runner up at the, South Super Regional this past year and made it to nationals. I'm um, a know of your time of being there. You've got numerous um, conference titles with both the men's and the women's program. You've been named as the conference uh, Carolina's coach of the year. I think as many as seven times, I guess. So obviously, I know you've done a great job, great job there over the time being there. Um, you know, I've seen it and, and know your energy. I've had a lot of players come visit with you. A couple of players come and play there. Um, I know the kids always have a lot of just great things to say about you. So. What decided, what made you get into wanting to be a college coach um, after you finished playing at Clemson? And like I said, I know you played a few years of trying to play professionally. So what, you know, really kind of got you into wanting to go to the college coaching route? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I, my, I love my time at Clemson and coach Penley there and all my teammates and, uh, college golf is, uh, in my opinion, very unique. Uh, it's the only time in your career, you know, besides a Ryder cup or Solheim cup that you actually come together and play as a team. Uh, you know, everything you do is usually, you know, individual from junior golf and then, then when you're a professional. So uh, when I got done with Clemson and then tried my hand at the the mini tours and things like that and, and decided that that was not the route that was going to be for me or I was not going to be successful in that route. You know, I kind of I took a step back because golf was the only thing that I knew, <clears throat> excuse me, um, from from age seven. So, you know, I kind of dibbled and dabbled in a, in a few other jobs and it, it just wasn't, you know, it was work. It wasn't fun. And I knew I wanted to do something with kids, you know, help kids, mentor kids, uh, you know, just be involved somehow in younger people's lives. And um, 
I was fortunate my wife got uh, into medical school down in Charleston. So we moved down to Charleston, uh, basically was looking for a job, and, and I got hooked up over at Dunes West Country Club um, over there in Mount Pleasant. And uh, Kevin, the head pro, was nice enough, to, and Rich, the general manager, was nice enough to, to allow me to work there in the mornings and still work on my game if I you know, wanted to play again. And I uh, just talked to my wife about, you know, it'd be really cool to kind of get into coaching. And uh, some of my teammates before Clemson had mentioned, hey, man, you, you'd probably be a pretty good coach one day. And it was never something that I really took serious until, you know, we were down there. So I uh, – funny story. So Mike Wilson at CSU uh, was a, was a – Charleston Southern was the coach down there. And I called him a few times, and, and Mike never called me back. And, uh, you know, who was I? You know, I'm just leaving messages. He doesn't know who I am. And uh, so I was like, shoot, well, I'm just going to get in the car, and uh, I'm just going to go watch him play. So first tournament, I drove up to Spartanburg Country Club uh, where they were playing the Wofford Invitational. Uh, just followed his team around for 54 holes. So I uh, introduced myself to him, uh, stayed out of his way, obviously, but uh, just trying to get to know him, get to know his team, uh, let him know I was interested in trying to help in, in any capacity that I could. Uh, that next week, they had the Big South uh, Championship down at uh, Grand Harbor in 96. So I uh, did the same thing, got done with my shifts, asked for a day off, uh, drove up from Charleston to 96, uh, South Carolina, followed his team around again. Uh, and at this point, you know, he's like, man, this guy's kind of annoying. <laughs> I got I to figure out what to do with this kid. And uh, anyways, he came over and he talked to me and he said, look, man, he said, why don't you come to the office uh, next week? We can, we, we, we can talk a little bit. Uh, so at that point, I knew I had my opportunity to at least sit down and, and discuss something that I was very interested in. And uh, Mike was a great, a great guy to me, excuse me. And uh, we talked and he said, look, I can't, I can't help you anywhere financially. Um, but what I can do is, is, is give you some exposure. You can be around these kids. You can help us. Um, you know, you can come volunteer. You know, everything you do will be really on your time. So you can be as involved as you want to. So uh, for the next six months, you know, I was up at 5 a.m., you know, driving 45 minutes to work at Dunes West, uh, getting off at 2 o'clock, heading straight to practice uh, and getting home, obviously, at dark and, and hitting the repeat button. So uh, it was just a way for me to um, get my foot in the door. And so six months spent down with Mike learning with him and uh, really just latching onto that program, trying to help those kids. And, and Mike had a really good program at the time. You know, uh, he had Austin James, which made it, you know, pretty far in the U.S. Amateur. Um, he had some other really talented players, Jared Swan and uh, some other guys. So, you know, he was having some success down there. Uh, so it was kind of fun to be around that energy. And uh, January 2014, um, I got a phone call from one of my close friends, uh, Nick Beershank, who, who took the old Miss job. Uh, as an assistant at the time, and uh, he was coaching here at Limestone, and he said, hey, man, I know how passionate you are about getting into this thing. He's like, I think you need to take it, you know, or not take it, but I think you need to apply, and, and I can talk to the AD, and, and we'll see what happens. And I said, Nick, I, you know, I don't think so. And, and the first reason for me was you never want to take over from your best friend. You know, that's yeah, just yeah. kind of weird. Uh, you know, I didn't want to have his kids, my kids. He didn't want to ruin a friendship. And Nick and I have been friends since we were kids. So uh, I told him no. I said, I'm not interested. You know, I, I'll figure out another way. I don't want to do it. Uh, he called again uh, a few days later. And I said, no, I told you no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not doing it. And uh, eventually he called me back the next week. And he said, all right, man, this is the last time I'm calling you. And I said, well, this, let, let, me, let me just talk to my wife. Uh, she had 18 months left in medical school down in Charleston. I said, Laura, I said, I don't even know if this is going to work out, but, you know, I have an opportunity to apply at least and might have a good chance to interview uh, at this school in Gaffney. And uh, being from Greenville, as embarrassing as it seems, and I'm admitting this, is I didn't even know where Limsa was. And uh, I got to learn a little bit more about the school and the program, and I just said, hey, I, I think this is something I want to try to do. Uh, she was super supportive, and she said, you know what, you need to go for it. You know, why don't you get your resume together, apply, 
and see what happens. And so I did and got a phone call a few days later uh, from one of the representatives here at the college and uh, kind of set me up on the whole interview process. And I was one of three that they interviewed and eventually offered the job. So when they did, it was a conversation between me and the me and the wife, and uh, she said, this is what you're passionate about and you want to do. Uh, we have family in Greenville, obviously born and raised there. You know, I can stay with my parents and, uh, you know, let's make it work. So for the next 18 months, you know, it was it was Limestone College from Monday through Friday in, in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, on the weekends. So uh, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door, how I got started here. And uh, I told myself one thing when I started this job. I said that I didn't want to be like anybody else. I didn't want to be asking questions about how they do this, how they do that. I said, I, I told the assistant at the time, Ansley uh, Smith, I said, yeah, I just want to do it my way. And I said, it might be wrong. It might be indifferent. It, it might be weird to some people, uh, but it's going to be cool to me. And uh, if it's cool to me, then I'm going to enjoy doing it. Uh, I'm going to enjoy doing it my way. And the people that come to this program will enjoy enjoy it as well. So that's kind of what we decided. And, and Jan it was actually January 28th, which is my birthday, that I signed the, the contract to be a, a head coach in, in college golf. So uh, that was a pretty cool day for me. And uh, once that day hit, you know, it was time to get to work. I remember sitting in my office first day uh, on January 28th and it was snowing outside and I just kind of didn't want to really go home. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. hey, and where do you start? You know, so uh, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And ever since then, awesome. it's been gas pedal down and, uh, you know, getting after it. Awesome. Awesome. I learned a little bit more about you that I didn't even know from even our discussion uh, as far as the <laughs> yeah. Charleston Southern thing and everything. So uh, yeah, very cool. I think it's just a great testament even to the, the kids out there kind of going through this process that, yeah, there's a balance between, just like you said, maybe not scaring a coach away by, you know, showing up everywhere, but having to be <laughs> even, you know, even in that situation, you know, there is a, you know, certainly a, a way and an effort to be able to show your commitment and how serious you are about wanting to do something. And, you know, I preach it to the kids with the recruiting stuff, you know, you've got to show, how much you want to do something, how much you want to be there. You know, you can't just sit back and, and expect things to happen for you. And, and you've got to, you know, you got to get yourself out there, which, you know, is exactly what you did to, to get you where you are. And like I said, I think that's a great, I said a great testament for these kids going through recruiting and, and even other, the other college coaches out there who are trying to get in, because it's a tough world to get into. And yeah, it really um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, just to find the whether it's going the assistant route or, you know, a little bit more of what you did with being able to go to a D2 program and have such success with it. Um, lots of different options there, but just trying to get your foot in the door. It's, it's such a hard thing to do. I see a lot of girls coming out of college who want to do it and, and trying to figure that out and trying to find their way and, and see that it's not, not as easy as it sounds. Um, and then just trying to get with a program, which I know you've got there, there at Limestone with a school that supports you and lets you do things you, the way you want to do them and, and supports you and supports your goals and, and that kind of thing. I know that's a tough thing for some college coaches to find is that, uh, that synergy with the athletic department and the school and, and making sure it all kind of matches up together. Absolutely. agree with that 100%. Well, tell me then, you know, as you got into, you know, coaching and starting, what were some of the initial kind of lessons and, and hurdles that, that you faced when you first started? Obviously, there was snow the very first day that you were there, but, you know, yeah. what were some of those things, you know, early on that maybe you just didn't, ex didn't expect when you got into it or that, you know, really had to overcome some obstacles or something like that when you first got started? Yeah, that's so, again, I knew that the, the biggest challenge I was going to face was that Nick was my best friend, which was a former coach. And so, you know, I had, I still had four years with some of his players. 
Um, so, you know, the first thing with me was, was, you know, like I said, when I wanted to do it different was immediately set culture. Uh, you know, well, how I wanted to do things, it was going to be different than how he did things, uh, which was, is not right or wrong. It's just different. And uh, I needed to express to the, the 22 or three kids that I had in the room, like, this is the direction that we're going. Uh, this is what I believe in. This is what I think that we should do uh, or that we're going to do. And uh, I would love it if you tagged along. And it was so different from what they were used to. And like I said, not that it was right or wrong. Uh, it was just different. And uh, Nick and I are two different people, but we, we love each other and, and we're best friends. So, you know, I knew our styles were going to be different, but the biggest challenge was going to be to, to win that culture battle. Uh, and I, st I stuck true to it. So, you know, we, we had some hard times. You know, I, I've had to let a player or two go early on, you know, within the first month, um, you know, just for not adhering to the things that we were trying to do as a culture and a team. And uh, I think, just making a few hard decisions early kind of got the attention of some of the players that, you know, I was here to try to win, uh, to try to, to take this program as high as we could take it and to uh, just as get as good as we can. And, and ever since that day, it's been the same message for any recruit that we talk to. And it's, you know, we want to find good people and, you know, it's people first, players second. You know, we want people to come in here and, 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 and love what they do, enjoy their time here, you know, work extreme, extremely hard, you know, learn the value of accountability and, and really how to grow up and mature. And uh, so that was probably the biggest first hurdle. And, and once you kind of get through that point to where you're building relationships with these kids, you're getting to know them, uh, you know, then you can start coaching them better because as you all know, if you're a coach, uh, when you start recruiting a kid at 16, 17 years old, you know, you, you build that relationship for two or two and a half years or however many years it is before they get on campus. Uh, when you walk into a room with 23 kids you've never seen before, you know, now you're, hey, how you doing? I'm Zach. <laughs> you know, so uh, that was kind of the, you know, learning names, learning, you know, mannerisms, learning how they practice, who they are, what's important to them. You know, that was yes. tough. So w once we got through the really that first semester, um, it started to change. Uh, the biggest turning point uh, for me was we had a player, uh, one of our best players and, and future All-American that, that was here his senior year, Will Woodard. Um, he uh, broke his putter in, the, I think it was the second event that I coached for the men. And um, he didn't tell me. And so I found out on hole 16 that he broke it on hole four. And so obviously I'm like, Will, you know I me. Mean, well, that's a, <laughs> that's never good. You know, that's a, that's a DQ there, buddy. I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, that's totally DQ. Uh, so we went from winning the golf tournament and we, and uh, we ended up losing by, by one. So I remember going back uh, home and, uh, you know, I made the kids in the van turn around and look at Will. And I just asked Will, I was like, why do we not have a trophy here this week with us? And I think at that point it kind of sunk into everybody that it was just bigger than just themselves. It was about all five of us, not about one of us. And uh, we talked about the next week, I was taking the same team to the, to the next tournament, and our goal was to compete. Uh, we never said win, but our goal was to compete. And we're going to go out there and do our jobs and see what happens. And it was funny that Will was in the same position he was uh, the week before. Ended up shooting five under on the back nine uh, to get us into a playoff. And then we won on the first playoff hole for my first collegiate victory uh, and the team's first win in over like five years. Um, and so that at that point, you know, you've got good vibes, you've got emotions, you got all these things. And we rode that into the, the conference championship. And then um, it was at the end of the season, obviously, after conference, uh, we were in second place by, I think it was two shots behind Erskine. And the third round got rained out. So our kids were devastated because, you know, you get an AQ if you if you win a conference. And then um, and, and obviously we didn't have a chance to play that day. So uh, Will had had a great freshman year. I think he, you know, is, is top 30 in the country. So he was going to get a, a spot into regional. So we were prepping him 
And uh, about a week later or a week before regionals, I get an email that says the committee had overruled the last spot and given it to us. And so now the the whole team's in. And so at that point, I think they started to realize that like, you know, things could be achieved here. You know, we could do some good stuff. And, uh, you know, from there on, it it just kind of flipped. So and the same thing for the women, you know, we won conference that first year uh, by 30 something shots. And it, it wasn't really anything that, you know, stupid changed it was just all about just trying to flip the culture and and have them believe in something and, and give them a vision and and nick had a vision too it was just different than what mine was and so you know i think that was the biggest battle is, is winning that culture battle and and some of the kids you talk to today and even the kid uh coach waters it's my assistant coach to this day um it's pretty cool you know hearing his testimony to these kids when he was recruiting he's like yeah i, I didn't like him for a year <laughs> i didn't believe in what he was preaching i didn't i didn't buy into all this stuff and then I started seeing, you know, my teammates win and have some success in the team. And he said, well, you know, <laughs> I better try it or I'm going to be dumb. And yeah. so, you know, obviously Coach Waters got all the way up to number two in the country his senior year and had a great, great career for us. And now he's coaching. So stuff like that is is cool for me to kind of talk about and, you know, where the program's at now and where we where we had hurdles to begin with. Yeah, yeah, that's it's great to hear. And like I said, it's, it's great, uh, you know, listening in we have other college coaches who listen in a lot of parents and and hopefully those players that will take the time to listen as well obviously I know a lot of times it's more parents out there too but um you know just different feedback on the coaches and, and like I said parents hearing the different stories of the coaches and, and like I said those initial hurdles and and just how difficult it can be when a new coach comes in um to change that culture and, and the players having to adapt to it and, and how that happens and how that process happens that I know a lot of parents and players just don't understand. And in the college coaches have different ways of doing it. And they've all, you know, most all of them have experienced it to some degree or another. They've changed, changed jobs. Um, so it's just great insight to hear how some of those different hurdles that a, that a coach had early on, whether it was just starting their career or changing jobs or something like that. Cause there, there's a lot of them. And, and a lot of it plays into just how receptive those players are. And, and then, you know, trying to, you know, like I said, change the culture and start to be able to recruit players who fit, who do fit what your, your goals are maybe as opposed to having to train, change the ones that are currently there. And it starts to get a little bit easier as it goes. And once that culture builds and you're able to just continue that instead of having to just battle that change of, of changing mindsets and changing what was already there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, within that, tell me, um, cause like I said, we have, um, you know, I know some other college coaches listen in, but probably mostly have a lot of parents and players out there. So tell me a little bit of what you see as some of the biggest struggle for players, um, you know, as they get into the college world and make that adjustment, both from that initial, you know, we got, a, obviously it's early in the year. We got a lot of players who just started their freshman year. What do you see, you know, especially initially that is some of the struggles for players um, as they first, you know, come on campus that, you know, maybe obviously we talk about, there's only so much you can do to prepare for college golf. Some make the transition bigger than others. Um, You can talk all day long about, you've got to prepare for all this, no matter what, you're going to be hit with a whole new world and new changes. But what are some things Mm -hmm. that maybe they can be a little bit more prepared for that you see these freshmen struggle with when they first get there that just kind of hits them like a, a brick wall and just were not expecting things to be the way they were. You know, I, I, there's a, there's a few things that I'll try to hit all of them super quick, but like, okay. you know, understanding, understanding what you're getting into, obviously. So if a coach is presenting its culture of, uh, you know, accountability and work ethic, like we try to do here, you know, we're in the gym four days a week, you know, in, you know, here at Limestone. So, you know, we tell every recruit that obviously we're trying to recruit kids that have a passion for taking care of their bodies and stuff like that. So, um, 
you know, when we preach that and the kids don't take that very seriously over the summer and say, okay, you know, I know what I'm about to get into. Uh, I don't think they actually understand what they are about to get into. So, you know, when they get here, uh, you know, we have uh, this year, you know, we started classes late. We started on the 26th. So, you know, we weren't able to start practice uh, really till after Labor Day. So after Labor Day, we had four days of practice and then we leave for our first tournament. Uh, so when they hit that gym the first time after Labor Day, you know, now during qualifying, they're limping down the fairway, you know, they're, they're sore and all this stuff. So, you know, really understanding, I think, like I said, the culture you're getting into, you know, will help you prepare. So we like to think that our girls are, are and guys are doing stuff at the senior year in high school over the summer to try to prepare them for that. Um, the second thing is, is doing the little things too, you know, making sure that like, you know, you're, you're taking care of your class schedule, you're applying to the college, you're always on time. Uh, you've got everything uploaded and all the, the websites that, you know, different colleges require you to do. So you can really take the stress off of you, you know, making sure the NCAA clearinghouse is done. Uh, so, you know, the hardest thing for a coach too, is, is talking with compliance about, Hey, they don't have this in, they don't have that in, they're not going to be able to be here or there. Uh, and you're always having to try to backtrack to get those kids cleared. So, you know, a little bit more, you know, head, a little bit better head start on some of that stuff, I think will help the kids, you know, just get here and just be ready to show up and play some golf. Um, and, and the last part, too, is, is, you know, it's almost like being a freshman again in high school. Uh, whenever you go to a high school as a freshman, you kind of have the big eyes. You look around. You don't really know what to expect. You you look at the seniors as better than you. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that I would change. You know, as a freshman, you know, you should come in with nothing to lose. You know, you go for everything, have fun, enjoy it, uh, learn as much as you can from the upperclassmen that hopefully are, you know, molding the program in a positive way. And, and not, not be tentative, I guess is a great word. Just really take charge and authority over your freshman year and, and just enjoy it and expect good things to happen. Uh, more times than not, whether it's our program or other programs, you can tell a freshman is just really, really nervous, really scared, really just, oh, my gosh, you know, please don't let me shoot a high number today. Um, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, th th those things, you know, I would if I had to, we tell our kids like, you know, hey, when you're coming in here as a freshman, expect to play, expect to play every event, expect to learn uh, from every upperclassman that's here with us, uh, expect to get your stuff done so you can concentrate on what's important to you. Really, the reason why you're here is academics and then obviously golf. So, you know, just giving them that information early and then seeing how mature they are to handle it. Um, as an 18 to 21 year old, you know, I know I wasn't really prepared um, going into my freshman year, it was kind of like, Hey, let's just go up there see what happens. Almost like a freshman in high school again. So yeah. from that experience, I'm trying to teach these kids to, you know, do some work your senior year in high school, you know, have a fun time at Christmas. But when January hits, we try to get involved and say, all right, you know, here's ABCD, let's knock these things out. So we don't have to do these over the summer. And, you know, here's access to this access to that. We encourage you to try to take a look at it and, and just kind of get prepared. Cause when they come in, if they've done that stuff, as well as you know, if you're doing stuff like that, you're going to have a leg up over any other freshman or even some of the upperclassmen if you, if you take authority over it. Yes, exactly. It's, uh, I just had an article that I had just written a couple of weeks ago that addressed that a little bit about the freshmen coming in and kind of finding that balance of, you know, you're, you're coming in and you're going to be just as um, – you know, you kind of come from being the best player in our high school team and, you know, then you're there with some of the best players, you know, from their high school team and being intimidated by it and trying to find that balance between staying confident and feeling like you belong, but yet also being humble enough to 
to want to learn and learn from the fact that you've got players and a coach who've been there and done this a whole lot longer than you have and finding that balance of confidence and, and comfort of being there, but also the humbleness and, and kind of taking a little bit of that ego out of having been such a, you know, such a top ranked player coming in, taking enough of that out that you're, you know, you're willing to learn and adapt and know that you're going into a whole new world at the same time, I think is something that, that I see some players, I think, kind of struggle with a lot, um, you know, just that intimidation factor over, you know, the, the ego check, I think, sometimes. Absolutely. I think freshman year is one of the best years ever. I mean, we, I, I love freshmen. Um, yeah. And the reason I love freshmen is because I think that every freshman, every event they're able to get into and every qualifying round they play uh, should be played as aggressive as possible. You know, you yeah. can always teach a freshman how to play and you can develop and you can do these things, but you know, they're wasting rounds if they're playing scared or playing nervous or playing safe because they're not learning, you know, they're just playing not to screw up or make you upset or to, you know, you know, prove their worth. You know, we, we encourage our kids, just go for it, you know, like go for everything, have fun, enjoy it. You know, don't be afraid to make mistakes because obviously freshmen are going to make mistakes. Uh, but, but, but want that opportunity to be nervous and to, to beat those upperclassmen. So I love freshmen. I can't say that enough about any freshman that plays for me, but you know, we love freshmen. We love freshmen to play. You know, we, I love freshmen to challenge our upperclassmen, but I think freshman year is, is going to be one of the funnest years of your career because everything's new everything's fun everything is, is about learning uh, then kind of once you get that, that freshman year saturated in your mind and your body then you know what to expect the next three years so you can better prepare start managing yourself better your game uh, and then hopefully that's when you start taking off exactly yes yeah freshman year it, that I love that I've got a lot of girls that are starting their freshman year and it's so much fun to see them you know a lot of them posting on um, Snapchat and Instagram and all that and just seeing all these first experiences for them. It's just so much fun to see, um, you know, especially because everything gets so new and so fresh and exciting and, and you know, it's, it's going to be a long four years and, and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs and changes and haven't been through that and seen players go through that. I know that, but there's just not much that beats that, that kind of fun excitement. I remember it for me, my freshman year, and I was headed off to NCAA preview out in Oregon before we even started classes. I think I missed the first two days of class and came back and we turned around and traveled again a couple of days later. And, and just, I can remember the, the cabin we stayed in out in Oregon and just that first feeling and everything. And, and just, you know, just so much all at once, but yet how new and fun and exciting it is. And I know I was so not prepared and was not expected to play to start with. And obviously a lot different. We didn't have the, the education of how to prepare before that. Um, you know, didn't have all that, whether I would have or not, that's, that's still to be determined. Uh, there you go. There's a lot of that education there to help you be a little bit more prepared and help you make that transition, especially if you come in and as a freshman, you are playing right off the bat. It can throw, right. you, you know, a whole world and you're, except for me, I was behind before I even started by not even being there the first couple of days of class and, yep. um, you know, everything you can do to kind of prepare for that um, because a lot's going to get thrown at you that you're not expecting. And, and, you know, as much as you can be prepared for that before you step foot can be just, you know, so advantageous for you, for you and for the team and the coach and, and just make everything so much easier. That's right. Absolutely. Well, got a couple more things, a couple more questions yeah. and uh, a couple more things to talk about. For one, it's a little bit sidetracked, but one thing I definitely want us to talk about because of the unique situation there of uh, you, you being both the men's and the women's coach. And I know you've done such a great job of that. I know it turns into a big team and a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of travel for you to have to go. You know, I know you just got back with the girls team last night and turned around and leaving with the men's team, you know, in a couple of days that it's a lot more travel. It's a lot more responsibility. And I know from a player parent side of things, sometimes 
they see that, you know, as a little bit of a red flag is, you know, am I going to get the attention? You know, am I going to get the help that I need? Um, but I've seen it, you know, I've seen it through you. I know your energy and, and you've got a, such great energy and, and excitement for what you do that it's never seems to be something that is seen as, as a negative. Um, there's so many ways you can make it a positive. So tell me a little bit about how you balance that, especially for anybody out there who may be looking at a program that has uh, a coach that's, that's doing both or, you know, or just even, you know, what the positives and negatives are for, you know, for having that. And you can be kind of real and honest about it on both sides because, you know, there's obviously going to be some things that make it a little bit tougher um, when you've got that many players, but how can you make it such a positive environment and make sure it's, um, you know, as beneficial as possible to all the players that are there? Yeah. So great question. Um, It is hard. You know, we're not going to say it's not Um, any coach that manages two programs. uh, will probably tell you the same thing. Uh, You have double duty when it comes to recruiting. Um, Obviously it depends on your institution. If they, you know, encourage you to have certain amount of players, you know, that, that becomes stressful sometimes as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, what we try to do here is, is we're all built around relationships. So, you know, from the recruiting process, building the relationship with the, with the kids, with the family, um, you know, that's paramount to us. So, you know, when we're starting, starting to build that relationship process when they're 17 years old, you know, we're talking to them about everything, you know, you know, their sisters, their brothers, their family, you know, where they went on vacation, you know, what foods they like, what movies they like, how they practice, just, just getting to know who they are as people. Um, so then when they get here as freshmen, you know, we've already kind of know who they are. We know their games. We know what they need to work on. Uh, and the big, biggest probably thing that I do at Limestone, we're very process oriented uh, here, is, is actually teaching them how to have a process. Um, if you talk to a lot of 16 to 19 year olds, they'll tell you if they practice all day, they'll, they practiced all day, but I don't think they actually know what they accomplished. They just practiced all day. Um, so we try to teach them how to have an actual process, whether it's, you know, they're spending only three hours at the course today, uh, or if, if a day is a day off, you know, I know obviously you're very into, into training as well, like I am. And, and some days you have mandated rest days, you need your body to recover. Um, and that's the same thing with golf too. You need a day to either mentally recover, physically recover, or even both. So, you know, we teach our kids how to have that process. And in doing that allows us to coach more efficiently, effectively uh, when we are at practice. So, you know, yeah, coach has 23 kids at practice and that's too many. He can't get to all of them. Like, well, yes, I can, because I'm not spending 30 to 45 minutes with, with, with a player, you know, I'm checking in. Hey, how are you? What's up? You know, how's your family? How's your sister? You doing well? Cool. You know, I know you've been working on this because this is what obviously that player is doing in their process. So how's it going? Uh, it's going really good. Awesome. You know, then you don't need to do anything. Uh, you know, it's not going so well. Yeah, well, yeah. tell me what you're having problems with. Then they'll tell you, and maybe they'll show you a little bit. You'll address something, you, you, whether it's you looking at their swing or, uh, you know, whether it's their routine or rhythm, or it could be anything under the sun, you know, for that matter. And you work on it for a little bit, but you don't overdo it. You know, I'm not out there for hours with swing videos and cameras. So uh, when we talk about managing two, it's really one. You know, we have 23 players that represent Limestone, men and women, and all 23 of them we have great relationships with. And so when we're out at practice, you know, we're walking around and and the vibe is awesome. You know, we're talking about, you know, anything but golf. Uh, And then when it's time for them to, you know, when we walk away, their earbuds go back in and they get immediately right back in their process. So we have a lot of meetings one-on-one. We have a lot of team meetings uh, to let them understand what our goals are, what our visions are uh, for our team, for themselves individually. So when they show up to practice, they're not looking at us going, what are we doing today? Uh, they already know what they have to take care of. And it's our job to kind of walk around and manage that. Um, so I felt like 
that was one of the things that I talked about earlier about doing it differently. Um, I didn't want to do the same, hey, we got practice today, you know, two o'clock, let's gather around, here's what we're doing today, you know, type deal. You know, we wanted to go deeper. You know, these kids have aspirations uh, to play on the tour. Uh, obviously, you've been there before. It's bigger than just hitting a golf ball. You know, you've got to manage time. You've got to manage your body. You've got to be able to learn how to sleep, learn how to recover, uh, learn how to book a flight. Uh, we even go as far as saying, like, do you know how to write a thank you letter? Uh, because at the end of the day, if they get a sponsor's invitation, we would like to think that they have the capability of writing a thank you letter uh, to that sponsor and, and saying thank you for the opportunity to, to represent you in this in this tournament. So uh, we do a ton of that stuff. So the golf stuff kind of becomes easy uh, from a managerial standpoint uh, when you're talking about practice. So uh, the hurdle of having both is is sometimes uh, we do get tired. I mean, I'm tired right now. I got up at 2 a.m. Uh, we have a, we have a visit actually on campus today. Uh, so there's really no downtime. You know, I got a little two-year-old at home, so there's a lot of time away from home. Um, so the time factor, you know, it does become an issue when you have two. But we like to think that we only spend, you know, maybe one or two days away from our kids. So, um we don't schedule tournaments uh, the same time, so we're not traveling kind of at the same time. I try to spend uh, every week with the starting five, so you know we're eight weeks, nine weeks straight on the road. So the women were in Indy this week. The men will be um, in uh, Kiowa uh, this weekend, and then um, they're going to Columbus, Georgia the next weekend, and then I'll be back with the women again in uh, Salisbury, North Carolina uh, that following weekend. So uh, we try to split it like that so we can we can coach as effectively and efficiently as possible and. That's how we've done it for six years. So it seems to be working. And um, I, I mean, it is hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's, it's easy. But I think when you build those relationships and you teach those kids the process, you know, they don't look at you anymore. They understand it by talking with you and through you as freshmen to that, you know, what they need to do to grow as players and people. And, and then you just try to help manage them and put them in the right position. And then once you do that, you let players do what they do. And players play, coaches coach, and you just go go ball. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And I, I think it's just like you said, that's why part of why I wanted to do this podcast was to share, you know, not just the super glamorous side of, you know, what some people think of as, as college golf and college coaches and, and the reality to it. You know, like you said, you've got a two-year-old, you do coach both teams and, and how, you know, the commitment and the time that it takes. But I think it just speaks volumes about, like I said, your dedication to it and your excitement for it and your love for it that, you know, you're still, putting the team and their priorities and, and their success, um, not necessarily in front of your family, you know, obviously don't mean it that way, but that you're not yeah. sacrificing that and they're not getting less of an experience because of that. And I think that just, like I said, I think that's always shown so much and, and I don't know how much I think a lot of people respect um, you, you know, what you've done there and, and how much you've committed to the program. And I think that just says, says a lot. And, and like I said, when I get some families who are a little hesitant to go somewhere where like I said, the coach does both that there's, some positives to it. And in the fact that if a coach is willing to do that, you know, I think it just says a lot about their love for, for the game and for, you know, helping the players and, and coaching and mentoring them that they're willing to do that because it comes at a price for, you know, even more time and more dedication. And if they're willing to do that, I think it, it just speaks more volumes for them. Um, I'm sure there are some situations where they, where coaches struggle with it and, and maybe don't handle it as well. And, um, you know, but that's why, why I asked you to be on here because I know you do a good job of it. <laughs> It's fun, man. I have uh, I have some pretty good times. Like obviously being with the men, uh, you, you can talk a little bit more freely, you know, with the men. 
you know, when you're having fun and stuff like that, and, and then we'll we'll talk freely with the women too. But then when you get into a van of girls, it's like the, I mean, the conversation just changes. Like uh, yeah, we were playing sure. some murder mystery on the way to Indianapolis, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on right now. It's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> so just stuff like that, you know. So it, it's cool to kind of get that mix up where. Uh, you know, it's almost a refresher, to be honest with you, yes. uh, when, when yeah, you're yeah, on the road for two weeks at a time with the men and then you get to go hang out with the ladies a little bit. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like I said, again, the positive to it, it gives you different perspectives because, you know, the guys practice different. They, you know, they do things much different than the girls. And I think they can learn a lot from each other and their, you know, their habits and their tendencies. And, and a co- as a coach, I think it gives you, you know, perspectives on both to kind of figure out what, you know, what styles work better and in the fact that some of the ways guys do stuff, some of the girls need to learn a little bit more. And, and I think vice versa. Um, yeah. This helps give even a better learning environment instead of just, you know, a group of six or seven girls that are doing a lot of the same stuff and the same habits and just don't see outside of their kind of their bubble, I guess. Yep. Absolutely. Speaking of, um, you know, kind of the, the bus rides, one of the last things, which is one of, one of the fun things that I like to ask all the coaches and we'll kind of wrap yeah. up. And um, what is one of the, you know, stories that stands out, just one of the funniest things you've had? And again, I'm sure with that many players and, and the different trips and everything, you've probably got a ton of them. But is there something that stands out as just kind of one of the funniest moments, um, you know, that you've had as a coach um, from recruiting or coaching or whatever it might be that you want to share? Oh, my goodness. Jeez, how much time do we have? Yeah, I was about to oh, say, I'm man. Sure you do. Like I said, I can only imagine how much you do. Have. I mean, I'm tr- I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it PG here, but like, <laughs> I mean, they, it's so funny. Um, golly. I mean, I can just, t- I mean, we'll just talk on this Stop year since it. it's fresh because okay. no need to go back. So I, I don't know if you know what black stories are. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh, I have not. Okay, so it's apparently a, a card game that got originated in, in Germany that, that is being translated now through any any, any language. Uh, so it's basically kind of like you, you draw a scenario out, you know, and, and um, so one of our – we have a lot of international girls on our women's side. So they're like, you know, coach, you want to play a game? I'm like, yeah, sure. So it's like situational. So, you know, one of the uh, stories was, um, you know, there's a guy who lives on the seventh floor, okay, and he uses the elevator when it's raining. All right. And then when it's not raining, he gets off on the third floor and he walks up to the seventh floor where he lives. And then the question is, why does he do that? And it's like, what? You know, this is what we're doing here. And so then you just try to figure all this stuff out. And it's like you're going so overcomplicated, like trying to figure out what's going on. Well, not to have you guess or anything, but the, the thing is he was a midget. So like when he was in the elevator, he could only reach the three. But when it was raining, he had his umbrella and he could hit the seven. <laughs> everybody's losing their mind because like that was about then yeah my brain yeah it it took 35 minutes and we've only got one hit that the dude's carrying an umbrella and you know in an elevator and and then all of a sudden you know we give up and they're like oh yeah and they tell us the answer and everybody loses it so uh that you know we have eight hour trips sometimes and you know doing stuff like that i mean yeah like that's super cool that's funny and uh, there's been other crazy funny ones but that was just our latest one so we played that all the way up all the way down and uh, there was this one, uh, I'm not going to go into it, but it was Antonio and uh, Cleopatra. And they apparently were, I thought they were people. Uh, and then they ended up being dead on the floor uh, with a broken glass beside them. Well, it turns out they were fish. So I mean, that oh, took wow. an hour. So, you know, it's just like that kind of stuff is cool to me. Um, yeah, yeah, it, that's fun. And that's, that's yeah, yeah. So I didn't know what it was, you know. So my wife calls me and she's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you know like that? <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. They're fun. Very cool. Yeah. Well, like I said, that, yep. that's so much of what, um, you know, what I think a lot of parents and players just need to hear and, and hear the, the, like I said, there's the good, there's the bad, there's the ups, there's the downs, there's the ups and downs, there's going to be drama, there's going to be a lot. But at the end of the day, there's, especially when you get in an environment that's, it's just got, um, you know, great coaching and a great culture. Um, there's so much fun that can be had with playing college golf and, and, and just the experience that you get from it. Um, so I said, my, my goal in doing this is really just to kind of been to share all the different sides and then let, you know, let a coach just, you know, share a little bit about their, their journey and, and their story and, and what got them there and what excites them about it. Um, so I have one way that I always wrap up every um, yep. episode, but before we do that, is there anything that, um, I mean, I can sit here and talk, me and you, you know, we've had, we've met for breakfast and lunch and sit there and talk all day. So I'm sure we could continue on all day. Um, yeah, for sure. I will cut off our just random conversation and um, see if there's anything, like I said, anything that's, that you might want to share. Like I said, we've got, like I said, I've had a lot of coaches that tap in and listen and, and like to hear what the other coaches have to say. Um, obviously a lot of parents and players out there, junior golf, even college golf um, players that are, you know, already in college, the junior players going through the process, anything that you'd like to share before we kind of wrap it up with one more thing. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you got to love what you do as a coach. I mean, I love all the coaches I get to work with. Um, I've met a lot of great people, uh, great mentors, uh, great colleagues. So, I mean, that's been fun for me uh, to see them every year, every semester. Uh, and being a coach is one of the coolest privileges you could ever have. Uh, you know, for me, I have 23 of them. So I've got 23 mom and dads that are dependent on me to uh, make sure the kids are safe first and foremost. And then uh, second of all, to show them, uh, what collegiate athletics is all about and that's giving them a great experience so uh, taking care of them uh, you know making sure their best interest is in mind so uh, I think being a coach is uh, one of the most powerful uh, platforms you can have so uh, we try to bring the energy every day good vibes uh, you know take care of them give them a great schedule you know and uh, I just think it's pretty cool so I've enjoyed it in the six years I've, I've done it I've loved every coach that I've worked with and, uh, I mean, I could sit here and probably talk for days about why it's one of the coolest jobs in the world. Uh, but it really is. I mean, you get to meet new people every year because you bring new freshmen in. You, you build relationships with alumni. And uh, it almost becomes like your extended family. So um, it's been a, a blast here at Limestone. We're having a great time. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Very cool. Yes. And well, I think, and, and to, to definitely kind of wrap it up, um, but what you said, something we really hadn't talked about. And again, we can go on all day about this, but obviously everybody yeah. gets really kind of wrapped up in the, the D1 mentality. And one of the biggest things that I preach to them, and, and this is not a knock in any way at any D1 coach or anything, but one of the things that I have seen is everybody does get focused on that a D1 perspective and think, you know, a D1 school is always going to be better than a D2 program just because of the name of it. And after doing this for, you know, I've been doing this for about 10 years now of seeing yeah. just how much more energy sometimes you can find at a top ranked D2 program or D3 program, or not always even a, a top ranked one, but you just get some right. um, that just have that energy and you're going to have such a better experience um, than sometimes where, you know, maybe some a lower ranked D1 program where, you know, just like you said, the the administration and the school isn't necessarily behind you and your vision. And, and there's some headbutting there. And, and sometimes the coach is almost a, a part-time job for it. Um, and they may be trying to do their best, but you may want that yeah. with, with, you know, with the, the commitment and the dedication of a coach and just to make sure you don't get wrapped up in that, that D one title. And I try to preach that. And I know kids have standards and sizes and, you know, locations that they're looking for. You and I've talked about that, that totally mm -hmm. get that, but 
just always making sure they don't because you know I know you there at Limestone are such a great example of like I said the energy and the coaching that you can get if you're willing to look beyond just that D1 title and make sure you don't get so wrapped up in that that you forget just what the experience is going to be like and what your coach is going to be like. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's a big topic in our, in our world too, especially in my division now. And, you know, I like to tell the people that we talk to, I mean, I, I played for Clemson. Um, it was there, you know, when we were pretty good and now obviously coaching here. So I've seen the top level division one and, and now we're experiencing great success and, and top levels, uh, excuse me, level division two. So the one thing I tell kids is if, if they're good enough to go power five, then, then I would dab them up and say, congratulations and double click that Instagram and, yes. and uh, just say, go get them. Uh, but if not, you know, I just say, hey, man, just just remember one thing, man. Love who you play for. Uh, love who you play for because if you love who you play for, you're going to love your time at that school. Um, and, that, and that coach's job is to get you better and where you want to go. So uh, if you get in a scenario that you don't like who you play for and, and they really can't help you, uh, then you're helpless. Uh, so, you know, I love who you play for no matter whether it's D2, D3, NAIA, or, or even a junior college that you're trying to go two years and get better at and transfer. So love who you play for. and. Uh, You'll love your experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I know we put a lot of emphasis on you've got to like the school, and if the coach changes, obviously that's extremely, extremely important. But I also so emphasize in the world of golf and the way that that culture is and that relationship with your coach, that that is such a huge factor in your experience of college golf. Um, you know, some it's not as important maybe, and the school is a little bit more important. Again, that's just right. what the whole process is, is trying to figure that out. But that coach relationship is – is such a big part of your happiness and your success and the experience you have of playing college golf that um, absolutely I just see that be more and more a big deciding factor as to whether players get there and are, are happy or not a lot of times. So yep, all right, absolutely. Well, my, like my final kind of thing that I always want to ask every coach and um, you know, want to just continue on that same to kind of wrap this up is a podcast is called tap into college golf and mm -hmm. just, um, I always like to just ask, you know, if you're there with a player who has short putt on the last hole of a big tournament to win, um, you know, maybe it's even a player who's, you know, who's graduated and you're there as their caddy or maybe as their coach, what, you know, what advice do you tell a player who's sitting there with a really short putt left to win a big event? What's your kind of go-to advice? Do you have something that you do or say, you know, to everybody, do you base it off of the situation? What, um, you know, what's your advice <laughs> for a situation like that? Oh, that's awesome. You want me to tell you a funny story real fast, like 30 yes, seconds? Go for it. Yeah. So Pilar, Pilar Martinez, and Pilar, you're probably going to listen to this later, and I love you, and I've already told you I'm sorry. Um, she was coming down the stretch to win the conference championship, and I know how to coach Pilar. We, we, we've coached her now. That she's a senior, and she, she finished ranked 10th in the country last year, uh, second-team All-American. So she's a great player. Um, so anyway, she's, uh, she's one shot, uh, has a one-shot lead going into 18. Well, she had, she had made a birdie on uh, 16 and par on 17. So I knew kind of where she was, and we were in the last group of the day. And I know Pilar. Pilar if you tell Pilar she has a one-shot lead, she's going to play like five iron off the tee or hybrid and try to hit like an eight iron on the green on the short par four, and she's probably going to make five. You know. Yeah. So she gets on the tee, and she says, Coach, where am I? And I was like, you're one back. She goes, really? I said, yeah, you got to make birdie. She goes, are you serious? I was like, yeah, we got to make birdie. She goes, all right, let's do this. So instead of hitting five iron, she hits driver. Uh, hits a driver around the corner, has like a 75-yard little pitch shot, hits it 10 feet below the hole, and, and just hits a little a high side lip, and it rolls out to like two inches. So she goes up there, she taps it in, she walks over, and she's just so distraught. Like she's so pissed and deflated. And uh, walking into the green, I told her team, I was like, if she makes par, she wins the tournament. 
And so I said, well, she wins a tournament. Y'all go get her. And uh, so immediately when the flag stick went in, her entire team just ran into the green and attacked her and threw water on her. And they celebrated. And she looked at me. She goes, what happened? I said, you won. She goes, you told me I was one down. I said, yeah, I told you you were one down because you'd make bogey if I told you you were one up. <laughs> That's and that. so like, and she like ran over to me and she's like, you know me so well. And I was just like, I know I do. So yeah, it all, it all depends. Yeah, you know, awesome. like if I've got yeah. uh, Ebba Hellman on the green, I'm staying in the cart uh, because, yeah. you know, she reads greens better than I ever have. And, uh, yeah. and she goes with gut decisions. So it's all situational. But at the end of the day, you got a three-footer to win. Uh, you just do what you, you've done your entire year. You stay in your routine. You line it up. You roll it and let, the, let it be what it is. So. All right. Yes. Like I said, I love, it's always fun hearing coaches, different responses on that, but that that's a good one. It wasn't a tap input, but a, a last hole advice. And, and it does. I think it just says so much to knowing your player and, and knowing, you know, knowing the differences in them. That's what's so important as a college coach is, is knowing those differences um, and, and being able to adjust for the situation and for the player and everything. So very cool. Yeah. Yep. Well, I thank you so much for joining me. I know just like you said, yeah. you've got a crazy busy week. So to take time out of your schedule, I appreciate it so much to give some insights and always enjoy our conversations and, and catching up with you and, and being able to talk about college golf and junior golf and, and the ups and downs. So again, thanks for joining and yep. best of luck to both the men's and the women's teams this season. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Hope you were able to get some great insight from a D2 program with a little different perspective from a coach who just has tons of energy and enthusiasm for helping his players get better and just giving them a really good college experience. So thanks again for tapping into College Golf. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www dot brandyjacksongolf.com that's brandy with an i you can also follow me on twitter and instagram at bjacksongolf see you next time